Hello everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we try to answer once and for all, what is the best comic book adaptation? Yes, be it movie or TV show, we'll watch it and rank it until we have our definitive number one. And who's we? Well, I'm your host Andrew, and as per usual, I'm joined by my co-hosts Mick. Hello! And Rob. Hello! How are we doing today, guys? Well, I'm absolutely cream-crackered, because I've just got back from a lengthy bike ride. Me, on the other hand, um, I have to PVA walls. Um, yeah, the uh, they're going to start the construction again, which means I'm going to have a complete house. You know, it would have been quicker to do this out of Lego, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> it really would have been. <laughs> I would have had a lot more fun as well. And the other thing you you know from the song is that once you had your house made out of Lego, it would be awesome. Yes. Oh, oh, I got that song reference. Yay! <laughs> well, that's put me in a good mood, so I think it's about time that we put on a damn fine coat and got ready to head out into the big bad city as we behold Sin City. I, lo- I love the reference to the court there. I I figured I had to. (laughs) So, yes, today we are talking about Sin City, the movie from 2005, written and directed by Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller, with a guest scene directed by Quentin Tarantino, based on the comic series by Frank Miller. Was this Frank Miller before he went crazy or after? I mean, there's some dark sections. (laughs) <laughs> it's difficult to tell. Yeah, I I feel like this is on the cusp of Frank Miller going full Frank Miller. <laughs> yes, I, I think I think in a court of law they'd they'd count it as a contributing factor. Anyway, as per usual, before we dive into the film itself, I figure we will talk about our backmatic and how familiar we are with the comic series. And this time it's going to be pretty short because I've maybe read a volume of it once many years ago. I've read, I've read the uh, volumes that this film um, draws on, and I've also read a Dame to Kill for. Yes, I feel like I've read a collection that included the stories that this film draws from. Yeah, but I can't say for 100% if I actually have, or if maybe I've just seen panels of the comic and am misremembering. See, that's the thing. I think a lot of people fall into the category of, say, me and Andrew and you, Mick, where we've read bits of Sin City, but we've not read the whole thing. Uh, well, in my case, I, I did what I do quite a lot of the time uh, with Novels that I'm not familiar because the thing the thing is this was one of the true graphic novels, wasn't it? This wasn't released as like individual issues and yeah. then published as a trade paid paperback. Yeah, it was always written as um, a graphic novel. And the problem with graphic novels of this type from this era was they were inexpensive. Yep. Um, and there were a lot of them. Uh, that came out, and you had to pick them, really, and it was an expensive mistake if you ended up being disappointed. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this was definitely the era when I was just going off whatever the library had in stock. 
Yeah, yeah. So, unfortunately... Less librarians and just their assumptions that, well, this is a comic book. It must be for kids. Oh, <laughs> God. Um, I remember... Ten-year-old Andrew read Alien versus Predator. Oh, there, were, there was some in our local library. Right? Uh, our local library was uh, a quaint little thing, just on its own in a quaint little building. And the librarians there, God bless their hearts, they were, you know, they were the, a few of them were a bunch of old dears. And they did exactly what you said, Andrew. And some of the stuff that ended up in the kids' section, my word. I don't remember my local library ever having comics or graphic novels or anything. I mean, to be fair, we'd only just invented the printing press. Our but... local library had... Um, <laughs> had the kids section but around the kids section they basically barricaded it with like the reference section with all the encyclopedia britannicas and everything like that all right so you had to go through the learning bit to get to the kids bit but yeah so um i think i think when these things came out they were about maybe 15 20 quid a, a copy yeah and you know that was five Spectrum games. Yeah, it was basically like a month's pocket money. Maybe a month and a half, depending on which family you were from. Yeah. So, um, I didn't read them very much at the time. I saw them, I coveted them, because <laughs> the artwork did look stunning. Who didn't? Uh, but I just never got around to buying them. So, consequently, I bought uh, a couple of volumes when the film came out. Um, and really enjoyed them. There's some slight deviations in the in the plot, mm. but there always is uh, when you come to a film. But uh, essentially, it's a comic book. It's a graphic novel turned into a film almost verbatim. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of that film, should I uh, be getting on with a bit of a synopsis? Do you think? Yeah, I think you should synopsize it. Okie dokie. So. At the top, I will just warn, we are going to be doing full spoilers for the film. It has been out 15 years, so, and you know, you've had time. The graphic novels have been out even longer than that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, like the graphic novels, Sin City, the film, is an anthology uh, based around the over-the-top world of Basin City, a town where crime is rampant, every cop is dirty, and it's just, it's always nice. It's not that over the top, is it? I mean, it's uh, South Bank. Well, no, it's not always night here. And also, I just want, I just want, I, I, I just want to point out that around these parts, nobody goes around narrating themselves. They do. I, I've seen him. Do you not narrate yourself, Rob. Hey. Do you not narrate every single action you do? No. <laughs> That explains so much about you. <laughs> anyway, like I said, Sin City, it's an anthology. Um, for the synopsis, I will be playing around with the order a little bit. Because I know there's one story where we kind of get the first half at the start of the film and then the second half later. Yeah. I'll just be covering that in one block. Yep. So, strap in, because we've, we've got a lot of places to visit. We have indeed. So... First up, as the kind of framing sequence of the film, we have The Customer Is Always Right, which is about a mysterious man, played by Josh Hartnett, 
approaches a woman on a balcony, Marley Sheldon. He offers her a cigarette and begins to seduce her. And then as they kiss, he shoots her, revealing that he was a hitman she hired as an elaborate form of suicide to get out of the trouble she was running from. And that's really, that's kind of setting the scene for what sort of world Sin City is. Yeah. Yeah. And so the first of our real stories in the film is The Hard Goodbye, which focuses on an ex-convict called Marv, played by Mickey Rourke, who spends the night with Goldie, the woman of his dreams, Jamie King, only to wake up the next morning and find her dead. Dogged by the police and hitmen, he sets off looking for her killer and embarks on a bloody revenge that leads him into a web of conspiracy revolving Goldie's identical twin sister, Wendy, who I hope you can guess who that actress is. Hmm. Could it be the actress who played Goldie? (laughs) But if you haven't seen this film, what you couldn't guess is the monstrous cannibal Kevin, played by Elijah Wood. He's a very bad hobbit. Oh, God, yes. (laughs) Terrifying. And his master, the Cardinal Patrick Henry Rourke, who is played by the ever-delightful Rutger Hauer. Yeah. So, after cutting a bloody swath of destruction across Basin City, Marv finds himself facing the electric chair. Twice. Because one shock just ain't enough. Yep. Apparently there are a bunch of pansies. (laughs) Absolutely. Then, moving on, our next story is The Big Fat Kill. And I'm just going to warn everyone up front, this one's probably the most complicated story. So Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there was a lot going on in this one. Uh, we'll be publishing a special edition of Brody's Notes uh, for this section of... <laughs> Can we change the name to Jackie's Notes instead? <laughs> <laughs> no. So, Dwight Clive Owen is a killer with a new face and a mysterious past. And his girlfriend Shelley is harassed by her abusive ex-boyfriend, Benicio Del Toro, playing a guy called Jackie. Should have mentioned that part. Dwight decides to take out the trash. Following Jackie to Old Town, Basin City's red light district, Dwight is beaten to the punch by Gail, Rosario Dawson, the leader of the prostitutes and Dwight's old flame, who has Jackie killed for harassing one of her girls. By the way, I might have been slightly influenced by the narration when I was making these notes. Uh, and you can tell. <laughs> you can actually tell. <laughs> I'm just hearing Clive Owen's voice going, she's my dame. <laughs> Go on, you need the gravelly voice now, Andrew. Look, if there's one thing my voice does not do <laughs> in its wild range and pitch and intensity, it is gravelly. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the one sound I can be absolutely sure is not going to come out of my mouth at any given time. <laughs> so, anyway, things take a bit of a turn because Jackie was in fact a cop. And if the police find out he was killed, it will destroy the truce that they have with the girls of Old Town, which kind of keeps them out of the hands of the mob. And so Dwight volunteers to bury, to bury Jackie's body out by the tar pits, only to be betrayed by Becky. Alexis Bledel, Rory Gilmore herself, one of the prostitutes who's secretly working for the mob. Dwight then has to get the body back and team up with Miho, Devon Aoki, and the rest of the girls to rescue Gail from the clutches of mob enforcer Minute, played by Michael Clark Duncan. 
then lots of shooting happens at varying levels of convincingness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All... well, I just found it quite endearing that, like, some of the women they hired were obviously very into the final shootout. Yeah. And others very much weren't. <laughs> it was just kind of, um, is she shooting the right, is she pointing the gun the right way? Because <laughs> I'm sure in the, you know, when it does that pan shot across all the women shooting, I'm sure one of them is actually shooting another, pointing the gun at one of the other women across the way. Oh. You know, maybe there's an old score being settled there. That's what I was thinking. I mean, I guess it does fit in with the film, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, there's going to be a lot of crossfire here. If I take out my competition, no one will know it was me. They just got hit by a stray bullet. I looked away for a moment, and when I looked back, she was dead. <laughs> yep. Oh, you forgot! Anyway. You forgot the last bit. Clive Owen sexually staring at things before sexually kissing his girl or his Valkyrie to end things. I mean, look. If I included every instance of someone sexually staring at something, <laughs> the synopsis would be twice. It's true. <laughs> anyway, our final story is the Yellow Bastard. On his last day on the force, Detective John Hartigan, Bruce Willis, rescues 11-year-old Nancy Callahan from child killer Rourke Jr., played by Nick Stahl, maiming him in the process. As revenge, Rourke's senator father, Powers Booth, frames Hartigan as the killer and sends him to prison. Over the next eight years, the only thing that keeps Hartigan sane is a weekly letter from Nancy. But one day, when instead of a letter he receives a finger in an envelope, Hartigan agrees to sign a full confession, nods to get out and find a now 19-year-old Nancy, played by the definitely not 19-year-old Jessica Alba. Yep. Unfortunately, Hartigan quickly finds out that this was a setup by the now horribly deformed Rourke Jr. to lead him to Nancy. The detective is able to rescue Nancy and kill the titular yellow bastard, but realises the only way to keep us safe from Senator Rourke's revenge is to give up his own life. And then, in a closing scene, we follow Becky from The Big Fat Kill as she enters an elevator, only to, be, yeah, only to be met by the same hitman from The Customer Is Always Right. And that's it. That's Sin City. Hey. It, it's, a, it's a long film, isn't it? Yeah. It is. I, I forgot how long the film was. Is it two hours twenty-seven minutes? Two hours twenty-seven minutes. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like it. Well, I thought. I think part of that is because it's an anthology, so um, each of the segments, each of the uh, short bits, felt felt like a complete story, and so it made it easier to manage that I, length. I, I, I know when they released it on home media, they did a different cut on on there that was optional yeah. to watch, where they just chopped all the stories up so that you could watch the customer is always right. Yeah, on its own, <laughs> it was like it was like the commuters cut. Oh, I haven't got time to watch all of Sin City before I go to work. I know, I'll just watch that yellow bastard. I, I just. I'm not sure I can fathom the person who wakes up in the morning and goes, do I really fancy watching 
specifically the customer is always right part of Sin City, but not the rest of the film. Exactly. Well, it, it's that because you only... five minutes. You, 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 you want to visit Sin City, but you don't have the time to immerse yourself fully. Yeah, but I mean, because... Actually, it's like a weekend break rather than a full holiday. Yeah, the customer, <laughs> the customer is always right, though, of all the ones to pick. <laughs> like, okay. I, I, I think, to be fair, that's the only one that isn't available as a standalone. Um, it it just tops and tails uh, the other bit. Yeah. I think I think they've looked it in with the, the that yellow bastard. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, that yellow bastard and uh, the hard goodbye and the big fat kill uh, separated out into yeah. three separate movies. I... Oh, okay, so so because yellow bastard is the one I mentioned. Where like that, we get half of that. Then we get the other two stories. Then we get the rest of that. So I assume that's just kind of lumped as one. See, yeah, thing instead. Uh, yeah. See, the thing is, I liked the fact that they had that yellow bastard the first half, and then. Uh, kind of to to emphasise that eight year gap that had all these other stories in between, and yeah. then they finished it off with the with you know the closing of that yellow bastard after eight yeah. years. So I I really like I really thought that was a smart move when you watch it in the original order it was shown in. Yeah, and I think I think the beauty of this film as an anthology, yeah, is the way that it interweaves all the different stories together. Yeah, uh, I mean, possibly the the weakest of those links is the bit with Becky and the salesman at the end. Yeah, but the rest of it, you know, Marv's in the bar when Hartigan gets reunited with Nancy. Um, Jackie Boy, when we meet Dwight in that bar, it briefly switches over to his perspective. Yeah, Yeah. and. It, it is so intricately directed and interwoven to, to work that the two hours, 27 minutes, it passes by without you barely noticing. Well, what I, one of the things that uh, I really liked was kind of the style of the film. You know, the way it was, uh, the way it was approaching um, how it was telling the stories. I mean, with, we mentioned the, I mentioned the narration when I said yeah. Um, but I liked that really uh, stylish noir take on everything. Quite literally. Yeah, and I, th- I think this is where a, f- um, a few episodes ago we discussed um, Ang Lee's Hulk. Yeah. Well, last episode, Which, in fact. La- last episode. All the days are melding into <laughs> one. Um, but yeah, we talked about Ang, Ang Lee's sort of ham fisted heavy-handed approach to transferring the comic book medium to the silver screen. Yeah. And I, I I think Sin City was probably the first one to to actually make you feel like you were watching a comic book. Yes, yes. Because all the tropes from comic books are there. There's the limited colour palette. I mean, it's predominantly in black and white with certain details picked out. In, yeah, in I, colour. I mean, um, blood especially was in colour. That was the main yeah. colour, and um, also that 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 trope that came from the comic called um, of America. Yeah, where blood couldn't be in comics. Blood couldn't be portrayed as being red. Yeah, it had to be white, and they did that. Yeah, the scene with um, 
the bad hobbit yeah. after his second breakfast. Yep. Um, oh. Has a has a huge um, scene where there's there's just white blood spatter everywhere. Yeah. But I mean, uh, when they do the uh, bit with uh, Marv and Elijah, with Marv and um, what's his face, um, Elijah Wood's character, where yeah, he's Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. Um, when Kevin's tied to the tree, and you just see the bloody stumps, yeah, and that's all. That's all in red. And that—that's the other thing. A lot of the shots, the uh, that yellow bastard driving along and chasing Hartigan. Yeah. Looks exactly as it does in the frames and the panels of the comic book. Yeah, I was going to something we might need to point out just for people who haven't read the books and might not be aware of them. It, it is deliberately about capturing the exact style and feel of those books. Yeah. So they are like black and white with occasional flashes of colour. Yeah. And it, around this time, there were a, a couple of other films that came out um, that tried to evoke um, the same sort of feel. What was that the one st- with Samuel L. Jackson in? Um, the Spectre? The, it wasn't The Shadow. There was one called The, the Spirit. Spirit. That, that was it, The Spirit. Which, yeah. Aside from the uh, hitting him with the, uh, hitting the guy with the toilet, that was the only good thing I remember from that film. Oh, and the... Uh, the Spirit. Sorry? Because I was almost going to make the mistake of saying... And City, Sin City proves this is why you should always let the comic creators have their say on comic book movies. But Frank Miller did also direct the spirit. Yeah. Let <laughs> <laughs> comic creators, you know, have yeah. their input. Don't let them run the whole show. Well, this is the key but difference. Is, Miller. This is the key difference, isn't it? Yeah, but Frank, Frank Miller directed Sin City with Robert Rodriguez. And Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Whereas The Spirit, I believe, he directed on his own. I also want to point out... Um... Helping on that one. Sorry, what was that, Andrew? Just like, oh, at least no one else wanted to fess up to helping on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I have a theory about this. See, um, Sin City came out in 2005, right? And I think, yeah. I think at some point in 2006 or 2007... Something pushed Frank Miller just kind of over the edge, right? Well, it's probably the spirit. Well, yeah, probably production of the spirit because after the spirit, the next directorial thing that he did was Sin City, a Dame to Kill for. And it was around that time that we started seeing the bizarre Frank Miller start appearing more often. I don't know. I, I still feel like mad old bastard Frank Miller. It's just the actual Frank Miller with all his pretenses stripped away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a horrible image now of uh, Quentin Tarantino just leading around a uh, strapped-up Frank Miller on some kind of leech. And Quentin Tarantino would do that. I know. <laughs> oh, also, speaking of him, um, I should point out the scene he directed is when Dwight is taking Jackie's body to the tar pits. Yeah. I guess that's hallucinating Jackie talking to him. Yep. And yeah, it's a good scene. It is. Again, it's flash of colouring. Weird and Del Toro with like half a gun sticking out his head. <laughs> yeah. 
But again, the flashes of colour that we were talking about in this was from the police siren, uh, the police motorcycle lights. Yeah, it's like the kind of the blues and the reds wash over the cars. It's a really amazing visual effect. Yeah. And I, I, sorry, you were going to say. Yeah, I, I was just going to say probably before we get too much further. Yeah. I, there was one significant criticism that I do kind of just want to bring up because I feel like it's kind of the elephant in the room. Which oh, is... I missed the elephant. Where was the elephant? Which scene was that in? <laughs> well, Marv probably punched it. Is what happened? Yeah. <laughs> or Kevin ate it. But anyway, uh, so the thing I was going to say is that Sin City, it's very much about being an exaggeration of like film noir tropes. Yeah. And yeah. some of those tropes are not particularly great, especially when it comes to women. Yes. That is true. That is true. So, like, it's one of those things, it's definitely a big point, and I thought it should be considered like whenever we make a positive comment about this film that's a big asterisk next to it yeah there is... people maybe do not want to listen to a podcast of three men awkwardly try and talk their way around feminist film theory yeah that's I, I, probably true I, I, there, there is a big but when it comes to watching Sin City um, a product of its time I would, I would put it as and a product of uh, and I'm talking about the graphic novels, the fact that they tried to make it as close to the graphic novels as possible. Yeah. And the the yeah, the the graphic novels are from sort of twenty years hurt earlier. Yeah. Um uh, and again, Frank Miller. Yeah. Yeah. And also let's not forget Miramax films. Yes. Yes. Do they still exist? So, uh I I I think the company may no longer be trading. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Leaving that to one side. Yeah, leaving that to one side to bounce things out. Yeah. Marv is blooming great, isn't he? Mickey Rock was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And th- this was his this was his comeback movie. Oh yeah, this was this was this was I remember when they did the uh the original trailers for these and I couldn't believe Mickey Rock was playing the the role of Marv. You know, where the first yeah. scene you see of him in the trailer is him kicking the police officer through the door. I was like, yeah. I have to watch this film just from that one thing. That that convinced me to watch the film. And it, the, the thing is, it is, it is star-studded. Yeah. And Bruce Willis, uh, Elijah Wood. Uh, just... It's also it's always like really kind of weird and a bit great to see Bruce Willis in a film where he actually kind of gives a damn. Yeah. Also, yeah. also, also, I just want to point out uh, in the second half of That Yellow Bastard, Bruce Willis's shoulder pads are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they are fantastic. But, but, but <laughs> if you... He carried the film. Exactly. But, I mean, let's just have a look at this, right? In terms of comic book royalty, right? Mickey Rourke was in Iron Man 2. Yeah. Jessica Alba was in two disappointing Fantastic Four movies by this point. But still the better the better Fantastic Four iterations so far, except for the, well, yeah. except for the cartoons. Um, um, Elijah Wood. Josh, 
we've got Thanos stroke cable in there. Was Josh Brolin no, in there? No, that's, that's the sequel. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember Josh Brolin being in there. Dwight McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, but no, Josh Brolin is Dwight McCarthy. No. In the sequel, as Dwight before he gets his face changed. Yeah. No. No. Hold on. Clive Owen is that... Dwight. Clive Owen is Dwight yes, in this is. one, isn't he? Yeah, did not sorry. Watch both films. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I'm looking at Wikipedia. That's my downfall. <laughs> or not? I'm looking at the to Kill for. That's why. <laughs> that's your downfall. <laughs> because I was trying to figure out what other films um, Frank Miller had uh, directed. Right. So. All right, let's go again. Benicio del Toro. Yeah, Benicio del Toro. Has he been in a comic book film? Yes, he yes, he's the collector. Yes, Uh, Brittany Murphy. Uh, Not sure. I don't think she. Michael Clark Duncan was Kingpin. Yes, he was. Brittany Murphy Murphy hasn't because she passed away kind of before the. Oh, oh yeah, Uh, she passed away after Eight Mile, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Clive Owen. I think. Bruce Willis just is a superhero. Well, um, uh, Bruce Willis was Bruce Willis has been, uh, uh, was in uh, Unbreakable, yeah. and he's also been in a comic book movie because uh, Red is a comic book movie, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, also, also a movie Sin City. <laughs> he was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rosario Dawson was, of course, in uh, Daredevil. Yeah. Yeah. Elijah Wood. We'll come back to Elijah Wood, but Powers Booth was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And Avengers. Yeah. He's one of the so, human council people. Rutger Hauer. Yeah. Um, Has the Hitcher been in a comic book movie? Because if, if he hasn't, then that is a massive oversight. Valerian. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was in Valerian, wasn't he? Yeah. It was also an album with a shotgun, which isn't a superhero movie, but does have my favourite film line, <laughs> which is, unlike Andrew Razor Blades, you make a baseball bat. <laughs> so, I, 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 I'm going to go out there and say that possibly without Sin City, we wouldn't have had the MCU. Do you know... I I think you might actually be onto something. Um when when did Hulk come out? Ang Lee's Hulk. Two thousand and three. Okay. And so when that came out, people started thinking, okay, maybe there's something in this comic book thing. Yeah? Sam mm-hmm. Raimi's Spider Man, when was that? Uh, two thousand. Two thousand. So yeah. the whole idea of making a comic book into a film, we'd already we knew it could it could happen because of Batman and Superman yeah. that came before. Had the Sorry, had the technology. Yeah, we we had the technology. It's just what they were trying to find was a style, I think. Yeah, but I think I think this is the thing, isn't it? Because um, Spider Man is a film yeah. made out of a comic book character, exactly. Whereas Sin City. Is the first where it's a comic book and it's and the universe because let's face it, Basin City itself is a character in this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, Basin City is the main character of the film. Yeah, um, but that's what I mean um, when I, when I say that uh, Mick might be might actually have a point here because the original Spider-Man film and uh, Sam Raimi's trilogy 
it felt like the the actual you know the the area that the action was taken in was generic as hell. Could have been any city anywhere in the world. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe New Delhi. Spider Man in New Delhi would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the Bollywood Spider Man. But um, you know, see, the, now I want to see that. <laughs> you know the <laughs> the environment didn't really play a part. Um, I mean, if you like the Turkish Spider Man film, <laughs> that's the closest you'll get. But as you said, Basin City is a character in Sin City. And then when you look at the uh, when you look at the Marvel movies from the Incredible Hulk, say onwards, um, I he even makes a reference to it in uh, the Avengers when uh, uh, when he says, you know, the last time I was uh, I was in uh, New York, I kind of broke Harlem. Yeah, you know. So the and then you got Avengers Tower and things like that, and other places actually become. Places that become something iconic and something that you remember, which I hadn't seen. Uh, I don't remember that in the Sam Raimi movies or in you know the Batman movies or in the Superman movies. Oh well, I, I disagree very strongly with the Batman movies, though. Yeah, that, yeah, I think I, I think uh, certainly with Tim Burton's Gotham, um, it was maybe not as. A central character as Basin City is, but it was very evocative. It was very the, evocative. It, it, it was very important for the whole style of the film that oh. Gotham looked the way it did. Yeah, uh, okay. Tim Burton's ones, um, I was thinking more of the Joel Schumacher ones. Yeah, but no one wants to think of those. Yeah. But no, it is, it's definitely a point and something. But like my biggest criticism with the MCU is how very kind of uniform and slightly drab they are. Yeah. Like, I would, would go more into capturing the style of the comics. Like, it's why Thor Ragnarok is my favourite one. Yeah. Um, that's most just feels a bit like a Jack Kirby comic. Yeah. And uh, Guardians of the Galaxy being colourful and weird and, you know, um, I love the fact that when they refer to the Guardians, all you see is in big letters is SPACE. And then the Guardians just turn up. Yeah, just just more films that like have their own sense of style. Yeah, yeah. And also, where everyone wears like really long, cool trench coats, <laughs> billowing and, wind all the time. And the other, what what I can't believe is that no one turned this into a video game because that could be your level up, couldn't it? Oh, you could unlock a new coat every time. <laughs> I, I, I was about to say that was an awful <laughs> pun there, the level up thing. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, oh my god, Marv is a video game character, isn't he? He is. He <laughs> bosses and steals their equipment. <laughs> oh no, just the courts. It's a damn uh, the and only if they're damn fine courts. Absolutely. In city of like plus one defense. See, <laughs> uh, maybe that's what they should have. Uh, they should have. Cha- they shouldn't have called the sequel uh, a dead to kill for. They should have called it. That's a damn fine court. Well, you see, I, I remember being very disappointed by the film because by, by the sequel because they went down a more linear route, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I with actually... less of with less of the interplay between the different segments. Yeah, I actually wanted more of the original movie, more of the same, more anthologies, yeah. more segmentation of the story. Yeah, you know, telling the stories of different characters in Sin City. Yeah, like, I'm not, I'm not, it's supposed to be like 
kind of exploring all these different sides and how they intermingle. Yeah. So kind of you by the end of the film you have a picture of this is what Basin City is, this is how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean uh, as you said, the environment is a character. Basin City is a character. Or here's another thought. Basin City is actually Midsummer on acid. Nah. <laughs> Does anybody count? Uh, see, when you say Midsummer on acid, do you know what uh, my my first thought was? Uh, rather rather than uh, you know the long billowing leather courts, <laughs> it's like a tweed jacket with padded yeah. elbows. That's a barber jacket. <laughs> I, I watch three where Mickey Rock is just like stuffed into some kind of. <laughs> With elbow patches, jackets. <laughs> Looking like some and he's ca- questioning John Nettles by driving along in a, in a, in a saloon car. What was that period thing on ITV that everyone was mad mad on um, Downton Abbey? Looking like some reject from Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I have to say. Um, uh, are we talking about actors now then, or? Yeah, but we're talking about whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, as long as it's relevant to Sin City. Yeah, it's relevant. Yeah, uh, actually, sorry, I, I should have qualified. You never tell Rob talk about what you want. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I just a lot of the uh, a lot of the actors that we've mentioned already. Um, some of them had some standout performances in this film. They really hammed it up for the film. Clive Owen. With his narration was just that yeah. was that was just he was ooh, I think he just wallowed in this like a hippo in mud, didn't he? Yeah, it was. It was like I've invented a new Clive Owen for this movie. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think Bruce Willis was the same. I've invented a new. Uh, this is this is what John McClane would have been like if he was a ninety in a nineteen twenties detective novel. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> What if, like Bruce Willis is just so super method that he, in this film, he did actually kill charming, lovable, salt of the earth, every man Bruce Willis, and <laughs> that's why he's like completely different now. <laughs> <laughs> that's always a possibility. Elijah Wood, though, <coughs> Elijah Wood was. You know, for a role that has no actual um, dialogue, I thought well, it was... I, I, I think, you know, what he don't... I, I think Lord of the Rings was his apprenticeship for this. Yeah. Because when, when you consider that the Lord of the Rings trilogy, if you watch the full extended cut, is about 10 hours, of which he spends about nine and a half, staring into the middle distance. <laughs> All that was preparation for playing Kevin. I don't know. I mean, when he was staring in the middle distance in Lord of the Rings, he was he didn't have that little, that faint half-smile as if he knew something you didn't. Yeah, he I know. All those years, just working <laughs> on the perfect creepy stare. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Lord but, of the Rings was for. But it was a dress rehearsal. The thing is, this this was the movie that convinced me that I wanted to see Elijah Wood play the role of more bad guys. 
because I think he would be great at it. Yeah. And I, th- I think I think why it worked so much was because it was such a sidestep from what he'd been doing before. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he had gone straight from Frodo Baggins to this guy. Well, yeah. It, it was... Whereas, whereas some of the other casting, he's a bit typecast, isn't it? Like yeah. Michael Madsen as uh, Bruce Willis's partner, Bruce Willis as the cop. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. We've kind of hinted at Bruce Willis is literally just playing John McClane, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Only 1920s uh, detective John McClane. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no, I mean, uh, that the whole thing about Elijah Wood, it felt... Uh, have you guys seen a movie called Copycat? No. Okay. So oh, I might have. It's, I don't uh, know. It's uh, Sigourney Weaver stars in it, and the main, <laughs> the main, the main thing about it is that Harry Connick Jr., as in lovable, affable uh, singer songwriter Harry Connick Jr., plays the role of a serial killer. And this this role for Elijah Wood felt to me a lot like Harry Connick Jr. playing a serial killer in Copycat. Is complete right. left field thing. Well, I think um, even going all the way back, Anthony Perkins and Psycho was like the same kind of thing, wasn't yes, it? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. I um, Rutger Hauer was just. Uh, I mean, is there any way to stop him acting? Um, well, I think I, I think they have stopped him acting now. But um, yeah, again, unfortunately, he has passed away. Yeah, yeah, but. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those. If someone turned around to you during uh, Rutger Hauer's career and said, uh, "Yeah, we cast Rutger Hauer as the um, semi-cannibalistic, um, semi-cannibalistic that, that, clergyman who could have been president," yeah, uh, everybody had gone. Yeah, seems legit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, to be fair, if. If you'd have taken any of the roles, with the possible exception of Nancy and Goldie, um, in Sin City, and said we've cast Rutger Hauer as, people would have gone, "Yep, yeah, seems legit." Oh God! Now I've got that panning shot across from uh, the end <laughs> <laughs> with all the women, <laughs> and it's like some weird FX twin video where all the women are shooting, but their heads are all Rutger Hauer. <laughs> but you wouldn't have been. White and Gale like aggressively make out, but they're both <laughs> <laughs> like I said, bizarre FX twin video. But you, 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 you could, you could see Rutger playing any of the roles in Sin City. Well, let's uh, let's and put it not this way. be surprised by it. Let's put it this way: he was a a serial killing hitchhiker. He was a blind swordsman. <laughs> He's been. <laughs> He's been a cannibalistic clergyman who could have been president. He was, uh, what was his role in Valerian? He was the uh, first captain of that. Uh, of the sh- he, was, he was kind of the admiral, wasn't he? Of, yeah, uh, of the space station. Um, yeah, uh, the planet of a thousand worlds that they completely and utterly annihilated from the original vision. Yeah. I don't want to do that on behold. <laughs> no, all I'm saying is that uh, that's just the roles uh, that I can remember for Rutger Hauer <laughs> off the top of my head. I can't believe you missed out. Ro- <laughs> I can't believe you missed out Blade Runner. Oh, oh, I oh, mean, yeah. No, I can't. Having known Rob for many a year, I can absolutely believe that <laughs> he forgot 
was a Blade Runner. No, no, no. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. So also Blade Runner, also Lady Hawk, where he basically plays a guy who turns into a wolf. <laughs> yeah, that was that was actually a documentary. <laughs> oh, and he wasn't he in the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie? He was. He was the big bad. Yeah. Even Rutger couldn't save that one. <laughs> but uh, when you say he could play every role in this... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he is the guy who's basically done everything in acting, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I'm I'm struggling now to think of a poor performance in it. Um, I think the weakest performance... From, so, certainly from the main cast... I think, for me, the weakest performance was Jessica Alba. Well, she didn't have a lot to do. Yeah, to that's, what, that's what I mean. That's why it was the weakest performance. She literally... And to, be f- to be fair, she was probably still reeling in embarrassment, having just wrapped shooting on Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Was that before Sin City? Well, well it would have been about the same time. I thought it came after. Uh, well, they're both 2005. I mean, that does explain why the main, she, the main thing she was good at was just sort of having a haunted look in her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 2007, sorry. No, ah. oh, no. no, it was the original Fantastic Four movie that came out in 2005. Maybe she knew. Maybe she knew what was coming. I mean, she was pro- she, that's what the That's what the haunted look in her eyes was. She realised she could have signed up to a contract on a better franchise. I mean, I cannot disagree. (laughs) But yeah, no, I think good film, strong performances, amazing visuals. Yeah. Yeah. The only question is, where do we rank it? Ooh, okay. Well, do you know, I was sat there watching it yesterday afternoon and I thought... This is actually every bit as good as I remember it. Yeah, uh, I it, was the it, same. When you when you consider how much technology it relies on to, to achieve the look it does, yeah, uh, I think I think it still holds up. It doesn't look dated. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't look like the technology has aged badly. Whereas if you if you think about something like um, a two thousand and five CGI heavy sci fi film, some of the spaceship models, just because of the the resolution on rendering, yeah, engines back then, you start watching those on a Blu ray release now, and you go, oh no, that is so CGI. Well, I mean, but on this, there is nothing like that. I mean, uh, if... it's supposed to look like. A bit silly and a bit cartoony. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. if thing is, if you just look at uh, Ang Lee's Hulk, that had plenty of CGI in there that yeah. didn't really look, doesn't really look great now. Um, yeah. And that was literally, what, two years earlier? Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I, I didn't notice it until I got it on Blu-ray, but in 1989's Batman, at yeah. the beginning of the film, there's a scene where you just see the silhouette of Batman. Yeah. Uh, disappear into the lift at the top of a building. I didn't realise till I watched it on Blu-ray that that bit is really badly animated, mm. and it it doesn't hold up well. Um, 
And I, but I don't think any of the effects in Sin City have aged badly at all. No, uh, and I think part of the reason for that, uh, one part of the reason for that is because it's supposed to be an over the top comic book movie. But I think uh, uh, mm. the other part of it is just the way it was made and the way it's uh, the way it's shown. It's very minimal color palette, so yeah. a lot of the re- a lot of the issues about resolution aren't going to be as prominent because you don't no, have a not, lot of clashing no. colors. Um, well, that said, that yeah. said, um, as someone who does do a bit of effects work and and editing, yeah, the processing to get that effect, yeah, would lead to at least some um, sort of ghosting and fading and uh, jags. Especially bearing in mind that we now live in an age of ultra-high def and it was made, I don't think, well, probably on the cusp of getting Blu-ray and HD DVD. Yeah. So, you know, it would when it came out on home video, it would have been on DVD at best initially. Mm. And I think the upscale to Blu-ray hasn't hasn't impacted it. I'll tell you which set of movies do look terrible on Blu-ray is the uh, the early Underworld movies. The yeah. CGI on those. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the way that this film was shot, um, they basically shot a bunch of scenes before they had even ev- ev- even a lot of the actors actually signed on for the film. and Because mm. uh, Robert Rodriguez did Spy Kids too, didn't he? Yeah. And... Um, there were, he said during Spy Kids 2, uh, during the production of that, that this whole digital technology, digital film technology, was the future. You don't have to wait for uh, uh, things to happen. You can basically do them beforehand and just drop people into it. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily a great um, idea to do that. I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure it won't work in every movie. Well, actually, it kind of... I kind of get the point he was making because if if you look at video games, just throwing this in there, old RPGs and video games like Final Fantasy VII and stuff like that, they used pre-rendered backgrounds, so literally all you had to do was change the character models over the top and update yeah. those to make it look better. Um, that was all you needed to do. It's kind of using the similar principle. So in essence, what you're saying, Rob, is all films would look better if everyone in them just looked like weird Lego people. Yep, I agree. Where does Sin City on the list? <laughs> uh, well, right, well, remind us I, of what's I, on the list. I think uh, what's currently number uh, number one is Watchmen, isn't it? Yeah. Indeed, the 2019 miniseries. I'm going to put, controversially, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock it off its top spot with Sin City. I... Because, because Sin City is an adaptation of a graphic novel, whereas Watchmen series is a TV sequel to a graphic novel. Um, I mean, you have kind of blown wide open that our number one actually does not fit the constraints of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I've been keeping it. It's been it's been boiling my blood ever since we put it in there. See. I kind of agree with Mick that Sin City should be should have the top spot, but for different reasons. Um, I I I think Sin City is uh, it 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 represents the epitome of what a comic book movie should be. You know, the if 
if you have uh, a graphic novel or uh, something that is outlandish and weird and um, just has this style of its own that doesn't really fit into uh, how you would normally view a comic book movie, then, you know, I wish more filmmakers would be as... uh, would be willing to take the risks that Robert Rodriguez and uh, Frank Miller and um, Quentin Tarantino took with Sin City. Doing it this way, filming it this way, having this minimal colour palette, following the graphic novel almost religiously, you know, um, and actually taking that risk. Because half the time, if you've got a really good graphic novel, the story's already done. You don't need to change it that much. Yeah, I, just, I feel like I wouldn't want to say, though... It is always best to just follow verbatim. Oh no! It's... No, 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 no! Not well, say that. This doesn't just follow, and it doesn't follow verbatim. There are yeah. some subtle changes to the to the actual narrative. Yeah, I'm just but saying it it, it, take, it takes the whole ethos of the graphic novel and puts it onto celluloid. Yeah, and a lot of the plot beats are there. A lot of the things that made those stories work in the graphic novel are still there in the in the movie version. It's just they've made changes where they needed to to make it a film rather than a comic uh, book. Uh, it, it, it's like the thing, um, you know, some of the early attempts at doing it, I remember the early Wonder Woman TV series used to do it, uh, and um, I can't remember whether the Amazing Spider-Man TV show did it, but putting in the panels that describe the scene. Yeah. Putting those in and putting thought bubbles in as yeah. you transition from one scene to another. That's if the heavy-handed approach. If I don't put this as number one, you're just going to keep on talking about the olden days, aren't you? But <laughs> 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 well, the thing is, what, what Sin City did, rather than rather than taking those panel descriptions and putting them on the screen... yeah. Um, they turned it into narr- into narration, which is a perfectly natural transition to make. Yeah. But yes, we will keep talking about the old days. Well, we, we want to keep talking about the old days if you don't make it number one. But we will beat you up in the playground afterward. <laughs> and take your coat, because it's a damn fine coat. Oh, is there anything more appropriate <laughs> than you getting your way through threats of violence? <laughs> <laughs> I think not. <laughs> there we go. Sin City. It's our new number one. Yay! Uh, I think. Uh, uh, can we put an asterisk next to it? <laughs> no. Not that we're going to take it away from being number one. Just saying, it's a number one, but you know, it's a product of its time. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm thinking from the point of view of our definition of what behold is. Yes, it's definitely number one there. Yeah, the um, the 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 sensitivity of certain elements of the subject matter, therefore, bigger audiences than us to discuss. Greater minds. <laughs> there are no greater minds. Them's fighting words. Let's fight. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to find out where we come on the list of great minds, listen out for our sister's podcast. <laughs> Please don't say literary loitering, because... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the list of diseased minds. I'm going to say watch out for our new upcoming podcast, Brain Rank. But, 
Sorry, that's, that's an ill thought out title. <laughs> but better than its predecessor, Rank Brain. <laughs> anyway, that's about it from us. If you want to listen to more, you can find our old episodes on the feed, including Vault of Behold, our earlier previously unreleased episodes. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. You can also find the three of us over on the Geek Show Podcast Network, hosting the Comics Review Show for panel. And if you want to follow us online, uh, we are at Twitter, at BeholdPod, or you can drop us an email, BeholdPod at gmail.com. And if you're a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a nice positive review on your podcast app of choice. It's something that would, you know, be a big help in helping the podcast grow and get to more people. So, with that all done, uh, we're at the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, I've been your host, Andrew, and I've been joined by... If one of you wants to say your name... Mick. And Rob. And we'll see you next time.